Welcome to the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. On this podcast, we give a little bit more of a commentary feel to some of the things that are happening in the nonprofit space. And we're not just talking fundraising either. We talk about all the aspects of being in the nonprofit world. The people, the relationships, the news, the politics, and the money that goes with being in this world. Stick around. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. So glad to have you here. And, and, and at this point, if if you if you're still listening to us, nine episodes in, May 24th, the summer's right around the corner. It's about to get really good here, really nice weather all across the nation. You're an insider. And that's one of the things we're building here at the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. We want you to be an insider. We want you to be able to walk around in your everyday life and just know a little bit more as it relates to the nonprofit world. And we do that in all kinds of forms. Nonprofit horror story. We had a really good one on the previous episode. Uh, So be sure to check that episode out. Oh my gosh, that was a really good one. Nonprofit has a race problem. We had a really good story come through. So be sure to check that out. And one of the other areas we like to do on Nonprofit Insider is the news segment. We start every single episode with it. It's a great way to get to get it going. And not only do we have a good story for you today, we have a great story for you today. I mean, an absolutely amazing story. So we're going to get to that here in about two minutes. Be sure to go to the Nonprofit Insider Instagram page. Listen, we got some really good stuff happening over there. I'm sharing some good insights. You know, we're still, you know, we're new. We're kind of like in our infancy, you know, not even 10 episodes in. Still in the single digits, but we're, we're rolling at a really good pace. We got some really great people out there that are that are connecting with us. And one of the things I want to start doing now that we're really getting a good vibe, getting a good zone here, is I want to start reading some of the some of the reviews that we've been getting on podcasts. So here every now and then, if I can, every other episode or so, depending on when they come in, I'm going to read at least one review to start today or to start the day before we get into the new segment. And this is a really good one. I want to make sure to share this. This is the very first podcast review this is on apple podcast you can check us out on apple or on spotify this is the very first review that i received that wasn't one of my own because listen one of the things you can do is you can go and you can review your own podcast so of course i'm gonna give myself five stars if you had a book you'd go online and give yourself five stars so i had to do it but the very first one that isn't mine this is from username sabrina teal shout out you sabrina love you appreciate you she said uh, this is the title, Engaging and Provocative. And she wrote uh, a five-star review. Five stars, yay. Can we get a clap for that? Love a good five stars. She says, this podcast is super engaging and enlightening, exclamation point. It's provocative and has flipped my concept of nonprofits. The host makes great and important points, exclamation point. Nonprofits are doing great work in the country and working to improve critical social issues so we should improve their functioning. This pod is funny, fresh, and kept my attention while introducing me to some new ideas. 
And look, we like to be transparent here at the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. I do know this person, but I, I do appreciate it. I told her, uh, just go in, listen to a couple episodes, and just do your own review. So she put that in, so I really appreciate it. If you want to leave a review, just go to Apple Podcasts and leave your own review. I would appreciate it. Seriously, that would be great. All right, let's get into the new segment. And like I said, I don't have a good story for you today. I have a great story for you today. And one of the things that I've been really appreciating about my life more and more these days is my interactions with all kinds of people because I'm getting so much new information as it relates to nonprofits, as it relates to taxes, as it relates to culture really as a whole. And so it wasn't that long ago, a couple months ago, my girlfriend said, have you ever heard of people typing in, quote, a Florida man, end quote. So you just go to Google, you go to Bing, and you type in a Florida man, and all types of results come up. A Florida man gets bitten by an alligator. A, A Florida man jumps off a boat and, you know, gets a, a tackles a manatee. A Florida man walks into a Walmart in XYZ. And it's such a funny little subculture of society. I remember way back in the day going to um, peopleofwalmart.com. You all may be familiar with the the song. These are the people of Walmart. And there's just so many subcultures in, in so many different parts of society. And a Florida man is one that has really stuck out to me. So it wasn't that long ago. I'm doing a search for, you know, like I do all the time nonprofit news. So I'm typing in, I'm looking, I'm going to page one, I'm going to page two, and nothing's really jumping out to me until I saw this headline. In second embezzlement scheme, woman stole over $270,000 from a DC nonprofit. I said, you know what? I talk a lot of money on this podcast. I like that aspect. I was in DC not long ago. And then I read the first line and I said, oh, this is a no-brainer. And in the very first line, and, and, and let me make sure I give credit where credit is due. This is from the WTOP, so WTOP News. And, and they actually are a radio, a news radio station out of Washington, D.C., a 24-hour one. And the author that's credited, her name is Megan Cloherity. And, and I'll bring that back up here in a little bit. But the very first line says, a Florida woman, you, I mean, you just gotta love America sometimes, Florida, wow. A Florida woman got caught stealing from her job once and then did it again. The financial director of a Washington DC based nonprofit got away with sums of cash over $270,000 before federal investigators caught up with her. And, and the article was absolutely wild. It talks about a lady by the name of Christina Ballard. She's 53 and she pleads guilty to wire fraud and that she's going to spend the next three years in prison because of the wire fraud. And I guess the story goes that she ends up, she's, she's working with an organization called Fair Trade America. I'm going to put them in the show notes. You can check them out. They're a nonprofit. They do work as it relates to the various farming communities across the nation. So they, they do work in that particular aspect as it relates to products being sold or produced 
I'm not as familiar with them. I didn't do a deep dive on them, but Fair Trade America. So she works for this nonprofit and she's embezzling, according to this, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But this is, listen, I, I wish I could just read this to you because it's not that long of an article, but it's super wild because I think a lot of times when you think of people doing embezzling, you think of Wall Street, you think of like that big banks, that you know, that kind of vibe. But there are a lot of people that steal money from their jobs all the time. And it goes on to say that um, Ballard had promised the judge in 2015 that she had learned her lesson, uh, had learned her mistakes, and that she, quote, never let something like this happen again. She ends up getting four years probation for a prior offense. Then... Just four days after she's indicted on her first embezzlement offense, prosecutors said that Ballard started taking money from her new job at Fairtrade America. Did you hear that? Did you did you hear that? She she gets indicted for embezzling four days later, starts embezzling again. And look, this is the feds. We know they have like a 96% conviction rate because if the feds, the FBI is getting involved, they're not just doing low level type of investigations. They've got, if they can, they've got wiretaps. They're, they're busting out subpoenas. They have the might of the country and the resources behind it. So if they say that she was embezzling four days later, she was embezzling four days later. And it says that during the first four months that working at Fair uh, Trade America, during the first four months while she was going through the judicial process of her first offense, they said she stole $30,000 from the Washington D from uh, the DC profit. J just an amazing story. And I was so intrigued by this story. I ended up searching it through the Department of Justice to look at the release. <laughs> because look, I'm at that point in my life, I'm, I'm getting more and more involved with learning the various aspects of government agencies and how they work because of the, the, the nonprofit space. So I found the release from the United States Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia because they have their, their own particular thing. And it's so wild to read this story because th there were a couple of things. The first thing that immediately jumped out to me after reading this, and I'm also going to put this in the show notes because, you know, for you nerds out there, this is this is a press release that I think you all will love. The first takeaway is that it says in March 2022, like it said in the WTOP news, that in March 2022, Ballard pleaded guilty to this wire fart charge and that in addition to the three years prison term, she will uh, have to pay $271,465.85 in restitutions and an identical amount in a forfeiture money judgment. So she's going to have to pay roughly $565,000, which if she's 53 years old, you know, that, that's going to be tough. But there were two takeaways from this nonprofit story. It's almost a nonprofit horror story if you think about it. The first is that she pleaded guilty. Like I just said, if the feds are involved, they have a case against you. So I'm sure that attorney's office went to her and her lawyer and said, listen, you're going to take this deal or you're going to go to prison for a long fucking time. 
because they probably had the receipts, the the bank statements. They probably had everything lined up against her. So I'm sure the evidence was stacked. So she pled guilty. And, and the second thing that really stood out to me, in addition to that $565,000 uh, payment she's going to have to give back, which I'm sure, you know, they dock her pay if she ever gets another job, not in the nonprofit space. But the second takeaway was, if she's 56, if, she, if she's 53 years old right now, by the time she gets out of jail, she'll only be like 56 and a half years old. And let's be honest, with the way things are going, she'll she'll probably be out in two years, eight, maybe 18 months. Maybe she does, you know, half the time she gets out. She's going to be on probation for three, four, five years anyway. And so I, 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 I just love the fact that she stole all this money and yet she'll probably still get out in like two years or less. It, it, it's it's a pretty wild part of the justice system. It's a pretty wild part of the uh, justice system in America because you can steal a lot of money uh, and catch no time. But if you get caught with a, ju- a drug case, you know you, you're in, you're in a tough situation. So my desire uh, for you nonprofit insiders, I want to try to keep up with this case. I'm hoping that two years from now, this podcast will still be running. You'll still be listening to this. I want to keep up with this lady, Christina Ann Ballard from Largo, Florida. Will she get out? Can we have her as a guest on the show? Because, wow, what an absolutely wild story. And I don't know who worked at Fair Trade America and did her background check, but my goodness, like, because if you're doing this, this is this isn't like your first time. There's usually if you're 53 years old, you've had some time in the game to perfect how to do offshore accounts, wiring transfers. It sounds like she was really going in. So check it out in the show notes. Just uh, just another example that the nonprofit world is a lot more similar to other spaces and other industries than we think because. Like I said, there's a lot of money. I always say this all the time. There's a lot of money in the nonprofit world, and people want a piece of that, sometimes in the most nefarious ways. One of the things I really actually enjoy in life that I don't get a whole lot of time to spend energy on is sports. It's something that I enjoy. It's fun to watch. It's fun to keep up with. I listen to a couple of sports podcasts, but in my day-to-day life, I'm just too busy. I'm, I'm trying to raise a kid. I'm co-parenting with my ex-wife. I'm trying to lead a life, trying to make moves, trying to do this podcast. So I, I just look at the end of the day. I just don't have time to watch football all day, to watch basketball all day. But when I can, I keep up with what's going on. And so often I see a lot of parallels, and this is nothing new, but I see a lot of parallels that happen in the sports world that are very similar to the nonprofit industry. And I see this with a lot of industries, whether it's sports, finance, uh, manufacturing, banking. I think there's a lot of similarities to one degree or another to what happens in the nonprofit space. It's just a lot of shared energy, right? And, and I recall, I remember about 2011, so this is like 11, 12, 13 years ago. I mean, this is a while ago, going to my first ever NBA game. I was living in Seattle, had a little bit of time, had a little bit extra money, and went down to, to Portland 
to go see the Portland Trailblazers. They were playing the Miami Heat. And this is back again, like in 2011. And LeBron James was on the Miami Heat game. So it was like a big deal. It was really cool. And for my first NBA game, I mean, seeing one of the, the best basketball players ever was just really, really fun. And I remember watching the game, Portland won, and like the final minute, like the final like 30 seconds, a good game, just like worth every dollar. And I remember just looking up and being looking at the box score. And I think LeBron James had like 18 points, like, you know, five or six assists, something like that. But it didn't really matter because despite the fact that he didn't have, I don't even think he had like the third most points in the game. It was like one of those nights. It was kind of an off night for him. But I remember looking at the box score and saying, it's not a reflection on how good he was on the floor. And I think sometimes there are individuals or people that we see and that we know that are really, really good. And then there are some people that we see and we know and they are game changers. And in the nonprofit space, I think there are a lot. I mean, there are many elite donors out there. I think Mackenzie Scott is a game changer. But before we get into that, can I tell you about my friends over at the Nonprofit Insider Podcast? That's right. You know I had to do my own promo. And what I want you to do right now is open your Instagram app, because I know you are on Instagram, and follow me at the Nonprofit Insider. We have a slew of high-level posts that are going to improve your life in the nonprofit space in a relaxed and informative fashion. We're talking facts, stats, opinion pieces, exclusive nonprofit horror stories I'm only going to share on Instagram, and some pretty cool pictures from time to time. Plus, every Friday I do a weekend survey question so you can stay connected with me in the greater Nonprofit Insider podcast community. And best of all, we only post once a day, so you don't have to worry about seeing 800 million stories and posts on your feeds from me. So annoying when I see those things. Again, follow me at the Nonprofit Insider on Instagram right now. All right, let's get back to the show. So I did a little research, you know, hit the, hit the internet streets, see, you know, see what information I could get. Uh, because over the last three years, I mean, she's just been on, on a complete tear. She's given away money at such a rate. And not even that she's given away so much money at a fast rate. I think there's some other aspects that's being lost in the conversation when it comes to Mackenzie Scott and the way she's given about money. Uh, that I kind of wanted to talk about here in a little bit. But first, a little backdrop, a little backdrop here. So according to Forbes, just again, just simple research, you know, nothing crazy doing no big J journalism here, but just kind of looking around. Uh, According to Forbes, when she walked away from her divorce with Jeff Bezos, she received 25 percent of all the stock in Amazon that he owned. Right. Of course, he was the founder, CEO, but she got 25 percent of the stock that turned out to be four percent of the total company which in turn turned around to be roughly $44 billion, which is just, it was just so crazy of a number. It's like funny money, right? When we're like, oh yeah, it's like 44 billion of a B dollars. So she walks away from the the divorce, right? Has $44 billion in hand. And since then, she's just, like I said, she's just been on a tear with the amount of money that she's been giving away. And so according to to the insights and the information I was able to find, 
she she's given away a lot of money. She she's had the largest single donation to Girl Scouts of America at eighty four point five million dollars, the largest donation ever to Planned Parenthood at two hundred and seventy five million dollars, the largest donation in the history of Habitat for Humanity at four hundred and thirty eight million dollars. That was back in March of twenty twenty two, so just about a year ago. And I think, according to my research, that's still the largest donation she's ever given. Like, that's the largest donation in her profile, $438 million, $122 million to Big Brothers Big Sisters. That's the largest in their 188-year history. So she's just given a lot of money to some names and some brands that, of course, we all know about. But she's also given a lot of money to education, a lot of different organizations, a lot of universities, 20 million to Spelman, 50 million to uh, Perry View, A&M University, Amarillo College. I mean, she's just given away just money to all types of organizations. You could tell that her and her team really, really believes in. And and according to Quartz.com, I found this really interesting. She is considered to be the fourth most generous philanthropist at the time of the of the writing of the article in history. And, and I'm, I'm recording this, uh, you know, just around March. And according to the according to, to the course article, uh, her de- her 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 donations have been as has been as much as 14 billion dollars since 2019 folks that's only that's only three years 14 billion dollars in three years to to, to compare that number warren buffett according to my research has done uh 46 billion dollars over his lifetime but of course he's been around for forever bill and melinda gates they've given away 33.4 billion dollars uh, in their lifetime, and George Soros has given away $18.1 billion. In 2020, Mackenzie Scott donated $6 billion. That's just in, just in one year. Uh, and, and many believe it to be the single largest donation by a living donor in a one-year span. Folks, that's crazy. And so when I say about being a game changer, it's clear her money puts her in a position to change the nonprofit industry and philanthropy in general as a whole, because she's donating to to so many organizations at such a large rate that she's just naturally going to be one of those upstarts that has the ability to change uh, so much of the industry, particularly open up the doors. Because, you know, one of the things with a lot of her donations, and it's been a little bit of a criticism, is that she's donating but not really sharing too much information. Obviously, like I said, I just get, gave you a rundown of all the top nonprofits that she's been given to and some of the largest uh, donation amounts. But for the most part, it's kind of like a little behind the scenes. She has a team of advisors. Uh, I'm sure a good group of lawyers, researchers that are doing amazing work, but you don't really see too many interviews with her team. You can't find videos out there. So they're running a really tight ship. And so, you know, there's some people that are like, eh, a little bit about that uh, when those things happen. But with a lot of the donations that she's been giving away, and you see a lot of quotes out there, 
that one day they just received the call, you know, a, a local arts group, a local a nonprofit theater. They get a call from a member of uh, the McKenzie Scott team saying, hey, we love the work you do. We want to give you a donation of $1.6 million. They didn't know they were on their radar. That nonprofit had no idea they were even in a running for money like that. And so one of the things I think that's changing in the nonprofit industry is, of course, the application process as a whole. And I talked a little bit about this in uh, the previous episode of Nonprofits Have a Race Problem, where a lot of nonprofits will put applications as a way to serve as a barrier for those particular groups to get funding. And it's a way, to be completely honest, to discriminate around certain nonprofits that maybe don't have the resources or the tools to to pull results and data to the degree that other nonprofits do. So I think one of the big things we're seeing with the work that Mackenzie Scott's doing right now and her money and the way she's giving it away is that she isn't requiring applications uh, to a lot of them. And that kind of transitions a little bit into the second piece that I think is really, really impressive, actually, with the work that she's doing. The gifts, and this is the second piece, the gifts that she's that she's given away, by all accounts, many of them, or no strings attached. This is a big thing in the nonprofit space where, and we see this in all types of relationships in life, husband and wife, parent and children, uh, worker and employee. Since I'm the one that's giving you the money, I have the right to pull all the strings. I have the right to tell you what to do. It's my money, I'm giving it to you. And so I want you to be at my beck and call. I want you to kind of kneel and kiss the ring because I'm giving you $100,000. And a lot of nonprofits have to do a little bit of a dog and show pony dance just to get money from various foundations. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be checks and balances and, you know, the old adage that was the Russian adage of trust but verify. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But too often, nonprofits are are placed in a position where they have to jump through so many hoops that it's not really worth it to do. And so as I see and hear and talk to individuals that um, are getting money from the McKinsey Scott space, so often they're saying, "There's this is no strings attached. They gave us a check and they didn't say 30% has to go to this or you can only spend... 10% for operations and overhead. They now have the ability to get this amazing amount of money. You know, if you get a a $5 million and you're able to use that and be trusted by the donor to say, I'm giving you this money because I believe you are in a better position. You're in the front lines to use this money as you see fit, no strings attached. That's a game changer. And the number third thing that I'm seeing a lot from the money and the organizations uh, that are getting the money is that they're having a, a higher trace of using the money to go directly into clients' hands and conversely, being able to use that money in a way that allows to go directly to individuals. And I saw a, a couple of great stories out there from organizations that received money from the McKinsey Scott Group where they were able to use the money to help with individuals that were affected by COVID 
uh, at the heights of COVID. And they were able to use that money and say, you know what, we're going to give, uh, instead of having people apply, instead of having clients go and we got to bring two forms of ID, we're just going to take $3,000 and we're just giving it to you. You know how big that is? If you're, and I think this is one of the things that gets lost in the nonprofit space and the nonprofit conversations that I hear so often in many, many podcasts. The, the client is often forgotten about. And so if you're someone, you're going through one of the worst times, you just got finished getting hit by a tornado, you just got finished losing your job, and now you don't have the ability to pay rent. There's something to be said about going into a nonprofit. And they just say, oh, you're going through trouble? Cool. Do you live in this city? Because we, you know, maybe they have to do demographic stuff. You know, do you live in this city? Do you have a phone number in case we need to call you back or something like that? Okay, cool. You have all that? Here's a check for $5,000. Not you need to bring in a bill from your last statement. You need to prove that you worked at this place. It's not, you know, like welfare. If you've ever applied for welfare. And I have, I I got laid off from a job one time in Seattle and I had to apply and it was still pretty easy, but you still have to like provide a certain amount of information to individuals or groups because it's verified and you know where the money comes from. But there's something very powerful if you're able to give a client exactly what they need. And conversely, since you as the nonprofit aren't being held by a puppet set of strings from your donor, then you have that money in hand and you can give it directly to the clients because you don't have a, a puppet master kind of at your uh, at your beck and call above you. And so for me, I think that's just a prime example of the ways how, or the prime example of how you can have money, but that's not the one I'll be all. There are a lot of rich people that give a lot of money, right? There are a lot, the Carl Icons, the Bill Ackmans, I mean, the Tyler Perry's, there's a lot of folks with a lot of money that do amazing things. Don't get me wrong, but there's certain aspects to life that are more than just money. And so when I look at Mackenzie Scott and the way she is able to use her money, I think she is shaking the industry. Um, and, and I think she has a, an ability over these next couple of years to put herself honestly and this might be a stretch, I think she has an ability to put herself on the Mount Rushmore of giving. So often than not, we see so much of giving. Again, this is mainly in the United States we're talking about. I'm not talking the whole entire world. It's a big world. But when you think of some of the the most prolific donors, you, you probably go back to the most recent Gilded Age, right? You think of the Rockefellers, you think of the Vanderbilts, you think of the Fords, you think of the Carnegie, and their name, their imprint is all over, right, the United States. You go to New York, Carnegie Hall, you go to D.C., everything has a Rockefeller name on it, right? Those types of individuals. You're seeing this a little bit now in today's Gilded Age. I think you're seeing it with the Gates, the Buffets. Bloomberg, right? Bloomberg is, is a very big donor for a lot of various industries. Um, I, I think at some point you're going to see Scott. And I think you're not just going to see Scott in her last name. I think you're going to hear the name McKenzie. I think it's a name that has an ability to 
shoot very, very quickly to the top of philanthropy and some of the ways that she gives money, I think will change the industry for the next 5, 10, 15 years. All right, I think that's enough for today. We'll see you in two weeks. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, The Nonprofit Insider. I got it in the show notes. And if you have a nonprofit horror story, send it over to me. Let me know. Reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram, of course, or you can hit me up at swim, S-W-I-M dot Kareem, K-A-R-I-M at Gmail. We'd love to maybe feature your story in one of the future episodes. And we got a big one. The next episode is going to be episode 10. We're going to begin double digits, baby. So let's go. Oh.